Coming up next is the one and only Trey MBK. You know, like he calls it award-winning uh, Trey MBK. Midday with Trey MBK. What's happening, dog? Oh, we're award winners, Harge. It's a good feeling, man. Thank you. I like that, man. I like that. How'd you, uh, how'd you play yesterday? Uh, I didn't want to brag about it, bro, but it was probably the best golf that I've ever played in a very long time. So what, you shot a 98? No. Well, you know, it's a group setting. Oh, we shot a 50, okay. We shot a 59. Oh, you guys were cheating? No, bro, we don't do that, man. Man, I didn't peg do you that, as man. a cheater, but here you are like one of Bucky's friends, the Texas cheaters, making up your score at the scramble. I'm yeah. telling you right now, if I had an opportunity, yesterday would have been a day that I would have made a lot of money because I would have been that guy that they were like, "What? Is he doesn't even play. Look at his swing. And then, boom, holla at your boy. The ringer. My drives were right down the middle. I was piping in it. I was playing with a physician. We were playing some really, really good golf yesterday. Man. Man. I, want a, I want a new golf bag, bro. Nice. I want a new golf bag. That's how good I played yesterday. Well, they actually called my name during the raffle, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's... I appreciate y'all, bro. Have a great show. Enjoy the weekend. And, of course, hook them, baby. Uh, thanks, Arch. You do the same, brother. Appreciate you. So we get the balloon intro for Trey to start off a Friday edition of the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK. I can't believe Harge, man. I mean, that cover three golf tournament was for partnerships for children. And he's mm. cheating. His team is lying about their score. It's supposed to be about the kids, man. And they're making stuff up so they can win golf bags. What's going on here? Okay. I didn't necessarily intend to start like this. But you say it's for the kids. I mean, kids these days are essentially taught to, to fudge it to make it look like you've done the work. <laughs> Based on the shit that my kids bring home and they're asking me to sign off on. And I'm like, you haven't done this. And they're like, well, the teacher said it's it's okay to not do it. As long as you've done a version of it, you can still sign off as if you've done it. I'm like, what is this? You're in third grade now. The participation trophy thing is out the window after first or second grade here. Hold on. Aren't you a coach of one of your kids' teams that doesn't keep score? And you're okay with that? We're keeping score starting next weekend, I believe. <laughs> And so next weekend is keeping score, and the weekend after that is the actual tournament. Mm. So at the end of the year, even in this introductory level, there are winners and losers. Oh, man. And I think everybody does get a medal, but only one team gets to go home with the golden balls. The golden balls? Yes, there's two volleyballs that have been spray-painted gold, <laughs> and you get to carry them home you present it with the golden balls and then you get to carry them home after that and i get to place the golden balls on the mantle above our fireplace or wherever i decide to put them to signify that my team was the champion uh, you're putting in the call you guys are gonna win we played a team last weekend that is probably our greatest competition to date, just in terms of teams that we've played and teams that I've been watching on the other court. But I feel pretty good about our chances. There's some things we need to go over in practice over the next couple of weeks, but I feel like we can get certain things cleaned up and come out victorious in the end. You gotta, yes. You got to celebrate like the big Lebowski with one of those balls. You know, the guy cleaning the uh, bowling ball in that well, movie. 
gold spray painted volleyballs don't exactly slide around the bowling ball cleaning cloth or whatever that is yeah. might as well. Mm. All right. Well, there's that to start off the show. How about this? Here's a funny video. Do you remember Rashad Jennings, former running oh, yeah. back in the NFL, played with the Giants for a few years? Yeah, I've interviewed him before, actually. He had a memoir that came out several years ago. Was he stupid? No, he was a very bright, engaging guy. I think he had just done Dancing with the Stars. I don't remember if he won it or not. But no, he was he was, seemed smart enough. Uh-oh, what happened oh, with Rashad? Well, Rashad Jennings was on Wheel of Fortune earlier this week. Was that him? Yeah, we've got a little video to start things off on a Friday. And it is not a good look for... A guy that you said was pretty smart. I wish I could help. I really do. But if why you can buy some time by spending. I'm almost Yeah. 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 So I see Marcellus Wiley next to him looking around like, what the hell is going on here? Why is this guy not get, guessing what this, what the correct answer is? It was pretty obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> Not good. Driving to Reno with Winton Tarantino. There was one letter missing. All he had to do was guess Q or just, you know, solve the puzzle. And instead of guessing Q or solving the puzzle, he spins the wheel again, risking a bankrupt or something like that. And then he says, P? Mm. Quentin Tarantino? Come on, man. Like, everyone knows. What the hell is driving to Reno with Quentin Tarantino? Is it just supposed to be a rhyme? I don't know. I don't know if that's a book. I don't think that's the name of one of his movies, but it's not. It it doesn't matter. I mean, Quentin Tarantino? Like, even if you don't know who Quentin Tarantino is, like, what other first name has U E N T I N in a row like that besides Quentin? None. Quentin? No, there's no Quentin, dude. Quentin? That's still not a thing. Quentin? Oh, I don't think so. I know you're defending your guy right there, but golly. That's not mythological hero Achilles bad, but that is uh, pretty freaking bad by Rashad Jennings there, dude. P. Your mispronunciation just now damn near broke my brain. (laughs) It wasn't me. That's what the guy said. You don't remember this? Achilles? <laughs> that was the whole thing. It was like college day. This guy was like a Stanford kid. He was wearing a Stanford hoodie as a part of Wheel oh. of Fortune. And the whole puzzle was solved. Oh, I got to see if I can find this today. Uh, and literally, he mispronounced it. He, instead of saying mythological hero Achilles, he said mythological hero Achilles. And he, d- mm. he didn't get credit for the puzzle because he couldn't pronounce Achilles right. Ouch. Yeah, so there's random Wheel of Fortune talk to start he off should, He shouldn't get credit, by the way. Yeah. This is not pronouncing it phonetically. You need to understand how to pronounce Achilles. Mm. Yeah, text on the CODA text line. By the way, it is uh, F1 weekend. Get the CODA hat ready to go for, t- yeah. for today's show if you're making it out there. Have a great time. It's going to be hot. Are you going out there? TBD. Might uh, pull the trigger on a last-second ticket for Sunday. Uh, man, I've been five or six times, though. Like, I always have fun out there for F1 weekend. and 
It's great people watching. I was talking about this with the Buck earlier. It's some of the best people watching you can find in the city of Austin because there are people from all over the world. Like, not only do you just get the weirdos in Austin, there are plenty of weirdos here. Uh, not only do you just get the weirdos across the states, and there are plenty of those, but you get everyone from everywhere in town this weekend. So it's it's fun. It's a good time. Yes, it is, except for the individuals who thought it was a good idea to jack one Bucky Godbolt's tickets from our former workplace. I hope you get ready to spend the weekend in the slammer if you try and use those tickets. We're hunting you down, and you're paying for your thievery, motherfuckers. Who's we? We is me and some other people. (laughs) You're doing some hunting, a little Sherlock Holmes detective work to find out who took the Bucks tickets? No, it's more like Hunger Games hunting. Hunting of human. Wow, you're going to kill somebody. Nah, we're not going to take it that far. Although, if that were to happen, then I would have to celebrate with a feast. Yeah, you do want to eat human at some point in your life, and you do want only to- humanely harvested and catching criminals like that is humanely harvested. <laughs> I guess is that what they did on to catch a predator after they caught those guys? Just cut them up and served them to the kids. That's tainted meat. Mm, there's some taint going on there for sure. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, left that one at home. Sorry about hey, that. <laughs> Awful. That was over the line, even for me. My goodness. <laughs> oh man, I'm just trying to avoid talking about the ALCS. I know we have uh, to. Uh, game four goes to the Astros. We have ourselves a best of three now in the American League Championship Series. The Rangers, of course, took the first two games in Houston. The Astros have returned the favor by taking the first two games. In Arlington, of course, Game 5, a big one, coming later this afternoon. It's a 4.07 first pitch for uh, a huge Game 5 today. But the Astros continue to make themselves at home in Arlington. They scored four runs in the first two games of this series. They have scored 18 combined runs in the two games at Globe Life Field. The Astros 8-1 and one in Arlington now this year averaging nine runs a game. They've scored at least 10 in five of the last six games that they've played inside the Gilf. The Astros offense, the story early. The Astros offense, the story often last night, Trey. We are in the midst of one of the greatest road runs in the history of baseball, BK. They've been good at Globe Life, but they've been good everywhere over the last 21 games. 18-3 and now. In the last 21 games on the road, this is insane. And Dusty Baker doesn't totally understand why. I'm assuming the players don't really get it either. Maybe it's the amount of hate that they're still getting for the uh, for the cheating scandal in 2017. But this team locks in when they're on the road. And the game this afternoon for the Rangers is must win. You lose today. I realize that you took the first two in Houston. You're, you're not going to win two straight in Houston. You're just not. I mean, there, there's a good chance that we see this team wouldn't technically be considered a sweep, but there's a good chance we see this team in their season on a four-game losing streak, which wouldn't be completely out of the character for this year's Texas Rangers, too, a team that went very hot and then very cold in quick order, especially over the last couple months of the year. But strangely... I'm confident that the Rangers will win this afternoon. Mm. 
I think the Rangers do pull out a victory and then have a chance to win one of two for a trip to the World Series in Houston on Sunday and Monday. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the scary thing for the Rangers about not winning today is they're going to have to win a game not started by Jordan Montgomery or Nathan Avaldi, right? Like, obviously, the Rangers were able to win games one and two in Houston, but they had their two best pitchers for those two games in Houston. Well, Montgomery's going today in Arlington. Avaldi will go game six in Houston, but then if you get to a potential game seven, well, we saw the pitching matchup in Game 3 two days ago where it was Christian Javier for the Astros, who you do not want to see if you're a Rangers fan, and then Max Scherzer, who you do want to see if you're an Astros fan. Like Scherzer did not look great in his first start in more than a month, and Javier obviously took care of his business. So that's what makes this game today feel even bigger. It's not the fact that you've got to go to Houston and win a couple of games. It's the fact that you might need to rely on this version of Max Scherzer to go win one of those two games down there. So, yeah, I mean, the numbers tell it all. Like, in game fives, when series are tied 2-2 in these best of sevens in these MLB playoffs, the winner of game five wins the series 71% of the time. So the loser today is not out, right? We're talking basically about a 70-30 split. So whoever comes up short today isn't completely done, and you can't stick a fork in them. But, uh, man, these games do feel huge, and today's game feels massive for both teams. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, last night, man, the Rangers fought back. Like, this game was 2 to nothing, three batters in. Altuve started off with a double. Mauricio Dubon, who's red hot, and I feel like half of his hits have been broken bat singles. But he's finding holes right now. Those two guys get on. And then Alex Bregman, who struggled a little bit in this series, hits the two-run triple. The Astros go up three to nothing. And you're thinking, oh, well, this one's done. Stick a fork in the Rangers tonight. But the Rangers bounce back. They get three. They tie this one up. After three, we've got ourselves a game. You know, both starters are out. Thinking, all right, buckle up. This could be a fun one for nine innings. But the top of the fourth inning happens Uh, It starts off with the walk, which the Astros are too good. Any of the teams left in the final four, you can't start off innings with leadoff walks, especially to number nine hitters. And that's how the inning started. And then it unraveled. And obviously, Jose Abreu with the big blow, the three-run bomb with two outs to give the Astros a 7-3 to lead, and they never looked back. It's easy to second-guess pitching decisions, and Bruce Bochy has a track record where you just have to trust him. But... I wasn't crazy about Heaney being the first pitcher last night. I thought Dunning should probably be the first pitcher. I realize that you're trying to neutralize Alvarez at the top of the order. And he has, you know, even though he's been good against just about everybody, he hasn't been as good against lefties. But ultimately, it ended up not mattering. And uh, Abreu's homer was a big blow, as was the Rangers getting something going. I think it was the next half inning where the first two guys get on. And it was... uh, Taveras and uh, Simeon, I think they both single for runners on first and second with no outs. And then Seager hits a screamer that is starting its way down the first base line, but unfortunately it goes uh, right to, was it Abreu that was playing first base? It goes right to Abreu, who very quickly runs to first base and kind of misses Simeon on the tag. But his freaking batting glove is sticking out the back of his uh, left hip pocket. And a single finger moves. And it definitely moved. I mean, he got he got the batting glove. And so all of a sudden, what goes 
from a promising start of an inning where you're trying to scratch and claw your way back turns into a quick double play and uh end of the inning not too long after that after garcia grounds out or flies i don't even remember what happened the game unfortunately for me was over with right then and there even though it had some hallmarks of a game that would be a back and forth affair that finishes 12 to 10 10 to 8 something along those lines at that moment uh you had a pretty good feeling that the rangers would not be coming back in part because the Astros bullpen has been so good throughout this season, but especially in the postseason, too. Yeah, I think the third through the fifth inning decided the game last night, right? It started in the third inning where the Rangers tied it up at three. They yeah. had runners on first and second when the Astros went to the bullpen. They brought in Ryan yeah. Stanek to replace Jose Arquiti, who clearly didn't have it last night. And Stanek threw one pitch, and Mitch Garver grounded into a double play. Boom. The Astros get out of the jam. The fourth inning is when the Astros do their business. And then the fifth inning, it wasn't the fourth, it was the fifth inning for that sequence that you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah, you know, still plenty of game left. Even though it's a four-run ball game, you still feel like the Rangers, with their offensive firepower, have enough time to get back into it. But, yeah, you get that double play. That was just a killer. So a couple of costly double plays that the Rangers hit into. And the Astros' offense, I mean, really good. Like, a battle of the bullpens is always going to favor Houston. Hell, a battle of the bullpens would face any team against the Rangers, considering how bad the Rangers' bullpen has been all year long. But, yeah, give credit to Hunter Brown. He shut down the Rangers' bats for a few innings. And, obviously, the Astros' offense. I don't know what it is about Arlington, man, but they just hit the cover off the baseball whenever they're playing there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a Rangers fan, I think you wish they'd move this game to Houston today. And you don't want to ever play these guys in Arlington again. If you're an Astros fan, I think you're trying to petition to Major League Baseball to play all of your home games at Globe Life Field next year. (laughs) And it's just insane what these guys are doing there. And like you said, insane. It's not just Arlington. It's what they've done on the road. And you said it, 18-3 and in their last 21 this year. About 10 of their last 11 road playoff games, dating back to last year. Those are supposed to be hard, right? Those are supposed to be tough to win on the road in the playoffs because that's the craziest atmospheres that you have to deal with. And obviously the teams that you're playing are really good. And the Astros are just like, nah, we'll beat you anywhere. We don't care where we're playing. We'll take care of business. So uh, the only loss came uh, in Philadelphia in one of those World Series games. I think it was game three last year where Lance McCullers got hit around pretty good. But yeah, these Astros are, uh, are very good away from home and they will try to win their third straight in this series. I, I'm, I'm going the other way, man. Like, plenty of reason to be confident in Jordan Montgomery. Three playoff starts. They've all been very good. Two of them have been great. He obviously outdueled Justin Verlander in game one. But I don't know. Second time seeing this guy and the fact that the game is in Arlington. I'm going with the Astros, man. I said the winner of yesterday's game is going to win this series. I thought it was going to be the Astros. They did. I'm still sticking with the Astros. I think they get this one done today, too. Your logic is much more sound than my is. My my logic is based solely on the fact that change, things change very quickly in baseball. And yeah, the Astros have been good against the Rangers pitching the first two games of this series, but they've been good against shitty pitching. And so it's a much more difficult challenge for them against Jordan Montgomery, who did a great job of shutting them down and a saving grace, I guess, for the Rangers is the fact that they're two and maybe three most important arms, if you're going to throw Sorbets in there, uh, are pretty well rested right now. So the concerns about our oldest Chapman going two or three straight days are not going to be there if it gets to that point. But I would also have no issues 
if Bruce Bochy feels it necessary and Jose Leclerc is up to it, letting Jose Leclerc try and go for a six-out save. Mm, yeah. It's a close enough game. Maybe you have a little bit of a cushion at the end, a two- to three-run cushion. Uh, you can roll Chapman out there, but I, I, I don't trust him right now. He unfortunately is uh, a mental little person. When it comes to uh, when it comes to high pressure situations in the postseason, I think I trust him more than I. Not so fast, Midget. Not so fast. Sorry, Lee Corso. Didn't mean to interrupt there. Uh, I think I trust him more than I trust most of the guys in that Rangers bullpen, which um. is sad. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, the blueprint for the Rangers is do what you did in games one and two. Their starter has to go six, or at least longer than Andrew Haney went last night, where he got two outs. And Max Scherzer, you could argue they should have pulled him in like the first or second inning too with yeah. the way things went in game three. So, yeah, the Rangers need some innings out of Montgomery today, and we'll see if the Rangers' bats can can get going. I mean, they haven't been awful, but, uh, you know, three runs yesterday, not not good enough. And then Justin Verlander is awesome. Like, that's a scary thought, man. I know JV's playoff numbers aren't as good as JV's regular season numbers, but he's been very good in these playoffs. And... He's a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the best pitchers in the history of the game. So with your back against the wall, I won't call it a must win, but I think most people agree with you that it is a must win type of game for the Rangers to have to play Justin Verlander, that freaking guy, with your season on the line. That is a scary proposition, my friend. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a predicament for Rangers fans, but here's the good news, Rangers fans. You weren't supposed to get this far. And even if you lose today, you have two more games. Yeah, one of those games is not going to be started by Montgomery or Eovaldi. It's going to turn into an all-staff affair. I think we see a sharper Max Scherzer if he does have to pitch one more time, though. I think we see that slider working a little bit more. And things aren't as easy for Houston as they were against him a couple nights ago. Also keeping in mind that Scherzer had good stretches, too. Now, he did walk entirely too many guys and left the pitch right over the plate for the Astros worst hitter to drive in two runs after he spiked a ball that uh, turns into a wild pitch and a run scored too. But Scherzer's a gamer also. So I, I, I don't feel like it's something that gets out of hand quickly. If it does make it to seven games, the hope though is that the Rangers win today. Again, the hope for me as a Rangers fan, Rangers win today and then they can clinch on Sunday in Houston and keep, keep this in mind because Things feel like in, they're pretty dire if you're a Rangers fan right now. Things also felt dire for D-backs fans last night until all of a sudden they weren't, until all of a sudden they did win their first game of that series. And are they still in it just yet? Well, I mean, today and tomorrow are going to go a long ways in helping us to uh, understand one way or the other. But a lot of people, you and me included, just thought Philly might end up sweeping Arizona before it was all said and done and that has not happened now Arizona figured out a way to win a game and they can play another game today to lock this series up at two like what is now the case with Houston Texas Phillies in five it's been the pick Maybe. all series long I'm sticking with Maybe. it yeah, you, you could be right it's baseball yeah baseball's I, weird. I didn't pick Arizona to win their other two series so I, I don't know shit nobody knows shit no that's the fun thing about sports mm -hmm. you know I, I, I love to mock the weather guessers but the reality is, and I've talked about this over the years, too, is we're sports guessers. And fortunately, people aren't, well, some DJs are, are hanging on the words that we say and uh, 
putting money on the lines. But fortunately for the general public, uh, they they can hear what we say, and it doesn't ruin their day if we're completely wrong like the weather guessers are. By the way, for those who care, Bucky's 5,000-unit play was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Minus two and a half against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Okay, Atlanta is on the road, and Desmond Ritter, Ritter has been hot garbage on the road. So I may actually go with Bucky on this one. Oh, sorry about your house and your kid's college tuition because it's gone if you're following the buck this year. I had to cancel. Oh, God, should I even get into this right now? I had to cancel Halloween for one of my kids last night. Oh, they have a racist tweet? Do I need to cancel them? No, although we also had a weird conversation about race yesterday, too, which has me questioning what the fuck their school is talking to them about. Um, no, one of my... I'm just going to say one of my kids. I'm not going to single which one it is out. One of my kids has had an issue with sneaking candy out of the pantry that is usually in there as a result of Halloween's past to the point that we don't really have candy in our house anymore because... This kid has been so sneaky about it and lied to us about it and lost our trust with the Halloween candy. Well, a week ago, we talk with this kid and say, look, we are going to trust you with candy in the house again, but you need to uphold your end of the bargain. And we're not even going to put it out of your reach. We're going to have it well within your reach. This is part of being able to trust you. It's going to be in the house. You need to show self-restraint not to go sneaking candy just because mom and dad aren't around. And so everything was pretty copacetic after that, or so we thought, until last night, we spot a Skittle on the carpet in our living room that wasn't there earlier yesterday morning. And it's like, what the hell? And so Justine goes up and addresses them both and says, who was eating Skittles? And sure enough, the deadbeat candy thief in my house has struck again, ruining Halloween, ruining this year's Halloween for themselves. Oh, no trick-or-treating? They still get to go out and trick-or-treat. I haven't decided about whether they can collect candy in their pillowcase, but that candy's not coming home with them. That candy is being given away to friends their sibling or somebody else. Wow. That's the harshest punishment you can dole out to a child. No candy on Halloween? Oh, there was a meltdown last night, oh. but it's like I don't like I wasn't even upset. I was like I don't know what to tell you. Like we tried to show you that we're going to give you this trust back, that we're going to trust you again with this, and you shit on it before we even get to the point where you are bringing a bunch of candy into the house. So there was one bag of Skittles. And by the way, this is a completely different pet peeve here, but I guess I have to go here anyhow because it's gotten way too far out of control. The whole, so gift bags have been a thing at birthdays, I guess, for a while now. Gift bags were not really a thing with birthdays in the 1980s or 1990s. Were gift bags a, a thing? post-birthday when you were growing up through the late 90s and early to mid-2000s? Like party favors? Yeah, it's like a, a bag where there's a bunch of candy and 
cheap bullshit toys. Yeah, yeah that was a thing. Like a headband or something. Yeah, that was a thing. Like party favors, sometimes they were just individual trinkets, but sometimes they were just like little baggies full of random crap like that. We use things like Oscar swag bags now for birthdays, but they also do it after every fucking game in youth sports, too. And look, I get it. That's probably part, a big part of the reason why the kids are playing the games themselves so they can get the, the Gatorade or the uh, the Capri Sun or the High C and the bag of M&Ms and the granola bar and Good stuff. You know, whatever cheap, cheap toy you're putting in there, too. It is out of control. We need to put a complete stop to all of this. And this is why there was a bag of Skittles, apparently, in my pantry yesterday is because of one of these GD post-game swag bags. Oh, man. You're such a fun thief. God. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to your kids. Unfortunately, one of my kids is a candy thief, yeah, so. That is true. Dang. Not working well together. Well, I volunteer as tribute to get their candy for Halloween. You can have the candy. I'll need a way to lure the kids in with my Movember stash. Ew. Yeah, another thing I should have left in my head. <laughs> that shouldn't have even made it into my head. All right. Sponsor. Yeah, who's going to sponsor that? <laughs> to follow that one up. Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations is a pretty good bet. I think he's our only hope right now. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678. or on the web at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to AV Consultations. Also, shout out to our friends at Great Blue Heron Furniture, a custom leather furniture company that's been around since 1991. If you're looking for the best furniture out there, look no further than GreatBlueHeronFurniture.com. The most stylish, the most comfortable, the best built furniture that you can find anywhere in the history of the known universe. Well, it's all easy to find right there at GreatBlueHeronFurniture.com. Hey, if you click the link in the video description below, if you're watching us on YouTube, then it will take you right to the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection over there at Great Blue Heron Furniture. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off. That's right, HOOKEM, one word, 15% off your purchase at GreatBlueHeronFurniture.com. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, not just years, decades, go to GreatBlueHeronFurniture.com. All right, Trey, we got to talk about Texas and Houston before we give our picks for the football weekend. And I did go back to the last couple of videos, so we have an updated standings for our season-long pick'em contest. As you're muted. I can lip-read there. I know you're mad at yourself for that. Where's the mute button? How is it taking you this long to find it? Well, because I didn't have it on the StreamYard screen. I, I don't know why it muted. It doesn't usually mute when I go off screen and the back on screen, but it did right there. My apologies. Uh, all good. So we'll do that. The season-long pick'em contest here in a second. But uh, I want to let you hear from Steve Sarkeesian, who met with the media via Zoom yesterday. He was kind of asked about the mindset his team has as they get set to take on Houston in a couple of days. Here's Sark. 
Um, I, I, I feel like I've got a team right now that's a little pissed off, and that's okay. You know that that they're angry, um, and they want to get back on the field. They want to play. Um, you know, I, I think they all likelihood. I know that a lot of them wanted the rest last week. I think they all wanted to get out there and play again next Saturday to kind of get that taste out of their mouth. And so that's kind of how practice has felt. It's been very intense. Um, um, because I think that, that, that these guys feel like we're a good football team and, and we've got something to prove. And as a coach, the fact that it's coming internally, that it's coming from them in the locker room, that's a great sign. And so, um, again, we need to make sure that we execute at a high level, but the intent from which we're going about it throughout practice. And I think the intent that we'll play with Saturday, uh, and then every Saturday moving forward, I think is the right one. So there you go. Sark saying his team is a little pissed off. Trey, what would you make of those comments? I hope that they're pissed off. I hope they're pissed off and focused and understand that they're going to be heavy favorites the rest of the way. And you can listen to that and believe it if you want to, but it still requires putting the work in on game days, but more specifically during the week and scouting opponents and making sure you understand what your responsibilities are whether you're on offense, defense, or special teams. And it starts tomorrow against an opponent that isn't very good, an opponent that is arguably the worst team in what is a pretty bad conference this year. Having said that, if this is a close game in the third third quarter, then all of a sudden I think there are some questions being asked right now that are much more relevant. And it probably involves this offense not getting the job done like they need to in crucial situations, and specifically red zone, and then maybe to a lesser degree right now on third downs, too. Yeah, I mean, they've got to figure those two things out. Houston's defense is horrible, and you brought up Awful. third downs about this. Houston's defense ranks 116th in the country in terms of stopping opponent third downs. Houston's defense also ranks dead last in the country in fourth down defense. Wow. So for me, it's if you're on the plus side of midfield, it's four down territory. Now, if it's fourth and 12, then okay, bring Sideshow Bob slash Burt out there and kick a field goal. But if we're talking fourth and one, fourth and two, with the guys that Texas has up front, with the fact that they've got the best running back in college football in the backfield, like those should be go for it situations against this Houston defense because they haven't been able to stop anybody. And, yeah, more specifically, the red zone. I mean, Texas is 123rd in the country in terms of touchdown percentage in the red area. Houston's defense, not very good there. They're not very good anywhere. So this should be an opportunity for Texas to do a lot of things right offensively and clean up some of the mistakes. Even though they were 5-0 and going into the Oklahoma game, I mean, I don't think anyone forgot what happened in the first half against Rice. I don't think anyone forgot what happened in the first three quarters against Wyoming. I don't think anyone forgot what happened in the first half against Kansas. Just not enough points on the board. This offense is too good for that. They need to clean up some of those issues that were kind of plaguing them and preventing them from being a 40-point-per-game unit. They've got to do that. They should be able to do it tomorrow against Houston. And like you said, if they can't, then you just wonder if that's what the offense is this year, and these are just problems we're going to be talking about every single week. One thing I like about this matchup tomorrow in terms of the test that it is going to provide the Longhorn football team is that they're facing another guy who is a bona fide starting quarterback in college football and a dude who embarrassed them last year. Donovan Smith is not a backup quarterback who's on the job because of a last minute or fluke injury or for reasons other than the fact that he earned that job in the offseason. He's been pretty darn good this year. He is a true dual threat. 
better thrower than he is a runner, but he uses that big body to pick up yards at times too. Uh, this Texas defense struggled with the last guy who was uh, maybe not looked at as the biggest dual threat, but was really good throwing and running the football. Dylan Gabriel almost two weeks ago now in Dallas. So this is a great chance for this Texas defense to get their shit together and show that in a game like this against this sort of matchup, that they are up to the task. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest concern from a matchup standpoint is the Houston passing offense, which includes Donovan Smith and his ability to run against the Texas secondary. I'm not sure if Ryan Watts is going to play tomorrow. Uh, he was sorely missed in the game against Houston. Now, Houston's not as good as Oklahoma, so you'd like to think that Texas would be able to fare better against Houston than OU, even if they are a little shorthanded on the back end. But uh, I do think this is the strength of the Houston team. I mean, they're a top 30 passing offense. Donovan Smith, 13 touchdowns to just three interceptions. I think Houston's best position group is their wide receiver room. So, yeah how Texas does in the secondary, but also how they do in terms of containing Donovan Smith. It's going to go a long way in determining if Texas is able to take care of business the way that we want them to. Because you said it. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, he was the leading rusher for Oklahoma. He had over 100 yards on the ground, and Oklahoma made the adjustment mid-game to run it more with Dylan Gabriel, right? They weren't able to run the ball that much with their running backs. They just kind of shifted gears and were like, hey, dude, take off and run more often. Whenever you see space, uh, see if you could pick up some yards. And it clearly worked, especially on the last few drives that Oklahoma had at the Cotton Bowl. So, uh, yeah, Houston might try the same thing. And a lot of what Houston does in short yardage slash goal line situations is akin to what Texas did with Sam Ellinger. We'll just put Donovan Smith in the shotgun. They'll snap it to him and say, go. And it's QB power. It's a lot of his own read in those types of spots. And yeah, Donovan Smith against Texas last year. I mean, how many third and fourth downs did that guy convert with his legs? I mean, it's just, I'm still seeing nightmares of that in my dreams. So uh, yeah, contain Donovan Smith. If you do that, I mean, you should be able to, but if you do that, then you should be able to win and, and win going away, I think. Yeah, agreed with all of that. And I, I don't know if he was asked about this in his presser this week but i'll be curious to see if there's somebody back there other than xavier worthy it felt like it's been trending in this direction that they basically told him look we need the off week to figure out who the new guy is going to be so just get away from the football if there's uh, an obvious ball for you to catch and run with and do that but otherwise just stay away from the ball if you are concerned about catching the ball in traffic or you are uh, you've got a, a case of the uh, the punt return yips right now so i i think we will see somebody new tomorrow even if it hasn't been addressed directly this week. But if not, that's something to keep an eye on because I think that is a potential weakness for this football team. And Houston special teams are really good. Really, really good. Like, for all of Dana's faults as a head coach, his special teams units have always been great at West Virginia and at Houston. So uh, Matthew Golden has two kickoff return touchdowns this year. The punt returner had one last week that got called back by a very questionable holding penalty. Uh, their kicker does suck. I will say that. Uh, their place kicker is like four of eight on field goals this year. But the return game, Houston, is very strong. So, uh, yeah, special teams could play a role. But I was telling Bucky, Trey, like I, Texas is just so much better offensively and defensively that I don't want to say a special teams doesn't matter. It always matters. But, like, it feels like to me special teams usually matters more in close games. Like, you pay attention more to that third facet when the offenses and defense are kind of at a wash. Like, I just – I think Texas is – too good on the two main units to where special teams isn't going to be a huge huge factor in this one 
Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully it's not a huge factor. If it's a huge factor, that means that uh, the Longhorns' offense is probably failing to uh, to move the fo- football appropriately, or even worse, uh, it's turned into a shootout where Houston is actually sticking with some of the good things that the uh, the Texas offense is doing. Yeah. The only factor I want special teams to be is a uh, Longhorn block punt. Can we get two of those? That and then kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone for uh, for Stone. Yep, I'm looking for those things as well. What you got? Okay, um, real quick, uh, we can continue the Longhorn football conversation if we want to, of course. But the Rangers did just release their lineup for the uh, game with the Astros, which does start just after 4 o'clock local time today. Pretty big shakeup with the Rangers lineup that has me not as confident that Texas is going to win today. There are a lot of guys batting in different spots than where they've been throughout the postseason. I'm going to run it down for you real quick. Now, the top three is what it has been the last couple of games. Simeon, Seager, Carter, and then Garcia at four. So the top four remains the same. After that, you have Tavares at five, Young at six, Lowe at seven, Garver at eight, and Jonah Heim at nine. Hmm. So five through nine look drastically different, even though it's the same pieces in there, drastically different in terms of that order. You have less confidence now? Less. Huh. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm cool with it. Rangers had to do something different. They had to switch something around because this offense just hasn't been good enough. I would have been better with maybe moving Carter down in the lineup mm. versus keeping him at three. Okay. I know that Verlander is a righty, but you consider Young there. Tavares, not a uh, not your typical three-hole hitter, but uh, maybe somebody like him going into that spot. I just... I think there's a little bit too much pressure on Evan Carter right now in that three spot, and he has not been producing, unfortunately. Yeah, it hasn't been great in this series. They need more from Marcus Simeon. He's He's been bad. Like, yeah. that guy's paid too much, and he's the leadoff hitter. He's got to be better. That, that, that would be the one thing that maybe I'd consider changing, honestly, is mm-hmm. maybe moving Simeon down. But it's worked for the Rangers all year. He's one of your best players. You just need him to play like one of your best players. I would have no issue with Simeon moving down and Tavares moving into the leadoff spot mm. with how he has played in this series. Three local time. Ike, you're going to the game. I'm seeing 407 on the MLB app. So do I have that right? Do we have that right? The Rangers lineup they just put out said 407 central time. Yeah, I think. And I am looking at MLB.com right now. Yeah, Ike, you're going to get to the game. <laughs> an hour plus early if you think it's 307 hey enjoy it if you want to go watch uh, a-rod and big poppy and jeets on the field doing their pregame show for an hour then uh, i guess you can do that ike you don't need to get there that david early. ortiz adds nothing to those broadcasts oh you don't like poppy his presence annoys the shit out of me oh man is it because i don't know how he has skated with everybody who has been crucified for peds how he has avoided that level of criticism. Uh, people just like him too much, I think. Yeah, he's he's a scumbag, too, if you really look deeply at things. He got he got shot and almost killed a couple of years ago. Yeah, you don't think he had something to do with that? Yeah, he got shot. Of course he had something to do with it. He was the you guy who got shot. something deeper going on there? Yeah, some guy wanted his money. Knew he was famous. Wanted to knock him off the top. You know the deal. Okay, Ray Lewis. What are you going to say that you think David Ortiz killed somebody? No, nor am I saying David Ortiz is gay. I'm just uh, throwing <laughs> throwing that name out there. Ray Lewis did kill somebody. Let's just make sure you remember that. 
And, and supposedly Ray Lewis did so after visiting a LGBTQ friendly club mm. in the Atlanta area. Aaron Hernandez. I think they were all there. Oof. The timelines might be off on that on that deal. Yeah, I don't know. All right, no lineup yet for the Astros. I just tried to check. Don't see it. Uh, we'll give a Texas-Houston prediction as a part of our score prediction. So we'll do that now before we get to where are we at in society. I spent hours yesterday tracking the standings, trying to figure out exactly how we were doing in our season-long pick'em contest. Before this past weekend, I was up one on you, but you gained two on me this past weekend. So as it stands, the overall standings, you have a one-game lead over me with, well, half the college football and more than half of the NFL season remaining. So still a long way to go in our season-long pick'em contest. We're still trying to figure out exactly what the bet payoff is going to be, although we've got a couple of very, very heavy favorites. We've talked a lot about the dressing up as a UT fan with face paint and everything and having to sit at the OU side of the Cotton Bowl for next year's game. That might be one. Oh, face painted too. Wow, okay. Yeah, the, whole, All right. the whole shebang. But that, you know, we'll see. We'll see if we can come up with something better for uh, for the people out there, or we'll see if the people can come up with something better for us. Yeah. If you've got a good idea, throw it out there. We will agree to it as long as the standings are still close. Yeah. If you're up by like 12 games in three weeks, then I may not be as, as likely to agree to something that's really embarrassing. Dude, I'm the Rangers here. I could have a huge lead and I'll blow it. Like that's that's how I am with picks. It's embarrassing that you're only up by one right now, considering how awful I am at this crap. I think we should consider the five minutes of stand-up at an open mic still, right. especially now that we live in the same town again. I've considered it. I'm still out. <laughs> but I will still consider You agreed it. to it last year, and we both lost. We're, we're both supposed to be doing this. Two and a half minutes? Yeah, things change. Five minutes, five minutes each. We, we left the show that we were on last year. So, uh, all right, six picks. Why is that mic so in your face today? What is going on there? What do you mean? The mic is so in your face today. It's like it's it's taking up. It's halfway up the screen. You can't see your beautiful mug nearly enough. It's always here. I think it's down a little bit usually. I can't lower this. This is your mic stand. This is as low as it goes. My laptop is on one, two, five books. Well, maybe add like a sixth or seventh book. It's like the bananas in your tailpipe right now. <laughs> That's that doesn't make sense. Just check the tailpipe. There's there's nothing in there, dude. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, I don't either. All right, here we go. Six picks. We have an over-under today, and we'll tell you why in a second. But four college games, two NFL games to get to. We'll start with the biggest game. Why not? Biggest game of the college football weekend uh, tomorrow in Columbus. Big noon kickoff on Fox. It's Penn State. It's Ohio State. Both of these teams unbeaten. Obviously, a game that has massive CFP implications. Ohio State has won six straight against Penn State. Trey, I'll give you the honors first. The line is four and a half in favor of the home team. Is this the year where Penn State can finally get it done? I think that at the very least, Penn State keeps it within a field goal. But I have wrong team favorite here. I think Penn State does win the game tomorrow. Okay. All right. We'll be different on this one then. I just, I'm going with recent history. Siding with the Buckeyes. I'll take the home team. Uh, I think Penn State's good. 
think yeah. they're better than they've been in a lot of the years past where they've lost to Ohio State. And I think maybe Ohio State's a little bit worse than they've been in recent years. But I just I can't bet on James Franklin in a big game. He's 3-15 and 15 against top 10 teams at Penn State. And one of those wins came in a bowl game. Like, I just I can't do it. I'm going with the Bucks. Yeah, look, your logic is much more sound than mine is with this. Typically, I'm with you on James Franklin, but I've been impressed with Penn State so far this year, and I think that the defense, which is led by former Longhorns coach Manny Diaz, former Longhorns DC Manny Diaz, uh, they're really good right now, and they're making that team more Franklin-proof than Penn State normally is. It's the best defense in college football right now. So, yeah, it's legit. All right, Tennessee at Alabama, another ranked matchup. Uh, Both of these teams have beaten A&M in the past couple of weeks. The game is in Tuscaloosa. Bama, a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite here. I'll go first. I hate betting against Nick Saban. Yeah, I'm going to do it, though. I think Alabama wins. I just think Tennessee keeps it within nine-and-a-half. Yeah, look, Alabama has had a lot of struggles on the offensive line this year, and Tennessee has a really good defensive line. So I think that alone keeps it within nine and a half. So you and I are in agreement on that one. All right, on to the next one. Here is, uh, now we'll do Texas-Houston, then we'll get to the over-under. Longhorns, 23.5-point favorites in Houston tomorrow against the Cougars. It opened at 22. It's now at 23.5. Trey, who you got? Texas needs to win this one by four to five touchdowns, so that's what I have them doing. Yeah, I do too. I'm at the I'm around like 45-21, 45-17 type of range right now, which would be a win and a cover for the Horns. So we're in cahoots there as well. All right, the over-under we have to get to. We're only doing this because we've got history on the line in Iowa City tomorrow. It is Minnesota taking on Iowa. Iowa has just one loss to Penn State. They are ranked at the back end of the top 25. The total for this game is 31. That's the over-under. That would be, if that stands, that would be the lowest in college football history. So, Trey, I'm not asking you for who wins. I'm not asking you to pick a side. I'm just saying over or under. 31 combined points in Minnesota at Iowa. Under? Minnesota! Forgot about that. Sorry. I got to go under. Yep. I hate it, but I got to go under. Iowa had two 31 and a half point totals last year, which is freaking ridiculous. It's so embarrassing. They played Kentucky. They won 21 to nothing. So the under hit. They played Minnesota this game last year. It was 13 to 10, so the under hit. Life's too short to ever bet the Iowa over. Take it the under. Like I, Most embarrassing about that for Iowa and really for the Big Ten on the whole is that Iowa's probably going to end up in the Big Ten championship game, too, in early December. Yeah, their first place in the West right now. Thank God the divisions are going away in that conference, dude. Jeez. All right, on to the NFL now as we got to go quick for where are we at in society. Um, Lions at Ravens in Baltimore, the home team, a three-point favorite. This is you. This is you. Yes, uh, I think Detroit's going to win this game. So wrong team favored. Give me the Lions. Okay, I'll go with Baltimore there. So we're on opposite sides. And then Sunday Night Football, the best game of the NFL weekend. Dolphins at Eagles, a couple of five and one teams. The Eagles coming off of a surprising loss to the Jets. I will go with the home team. I'll take Philly and a win and a cover. 
What is the line again? Two and a half. Mm. Need to check on Darius Slay's status, also Jalen Carter's status. Give me the Dolphins to win this one outright, too. I'm picking a lot of wrong team favorites this week. That doesn't usually work out well for me, but give me the Dolphins to cover and win. All right, we've got three opposite picks this weekend, and a reminder, Trey is up by one right now in our season-long pick'em contest. Trey. Are you actually are you actually keeping track of the picks this week so one of us doesn't have to go back through the video? Probably not. I need to start doing that. I promise going forward after this week, I will start doing that. Yeah, okay. I'll type them in for now. Well, uh, you tell people about our friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. We are so grateful for the support that Pest Wranglers provides. Texas Sports Unfiltered and also the sponsorship for Where We At in Society. Pest Wranglers have been taking care of the pests that are plaguing people's homes and businesses going back to 2006. Since that time, they've come up with the motto, effective, reliable, affordable. And they also want you to know that they value customer service as much as they do their ability to get rid of those pests. They're great at getting rid of those pests, even better at the customer service, as is evidenced by the fact that they have countless five-star reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. That's because Steve, the guy at the top, a.k.a. Cooter, he is all about treating people well. Treats his employees well. As a result, his employees treat the customers well. They don't sign you up to any contracts. They don't need contracts. If you want to cancel, you can, but no doubt you'll be happy with the service and even happier with the customer service when it's all said and done. Go to pestwranglers.com. To find out more and also to learn how to contact Press Wranglers, again, the sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? And it is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. As it's all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. And BK, today we go to Spain where a guy is in trouble for faking heart attacks at least 20 times at fancy restaurants to avoid paying the bill. No way. That's right. He was arrested after faking a heart attack to avoid one specific meal but this stunt had been done 20 times this year alone, according to Spanish police. An officer who arrested him on four occasions said he orders items like lobster and fine whiskeys before faking heart attacks. He is a 50-year-old Lithuanian man who has been living in Spain for years now. And while his name has not been released... He was arrested last month in Alicante after attempting to leave a restaurant without settling his bill by pretending to become unwell. It was the 20th such incident within a year, making the man well-known to local police. In the most recent incident, he ordered two whiskeys and seafood paella at El Buen Corner. Yes. Nope. Receiving a bill for... <laughs> It's not even that expensive of a bill here, but uh, for 34, 85 euros or around 36.75 in American dollars at the end of the meal. Yep. Manager of the restaurant told 
The news site reporting on this story that a colleague noticed the man attempting to dine and dash and informed him of the outstanding bill. The man then dramatically threw himself to the ground and pretended to have a heart attack. The restaurant staff didn't fall for the ruse and called police. A spokesman for police confirmed that the man was a repeat offender. Quote, he was arrested multiple times in the city. The modus operandi was the same each and every time. So, okay, this guy's a legend, first of all, for doing this. Is he? Yeah, yeah. The dine and dash is a tough art, and it sounds, sounds like he had it figured out, at least for a while, right? I mean, is this the first time he got arrested on attempt number 20? He has been arrested on four previous occasions after ordering items like lobster and premium whiskeys. And officers note that the man has always greeted them with a smile and appeared unfazed about spending a night or two behind bars. <laughs> okay, He's not at all remorseful about this either. I take back what I said. I thought this was the first time he had gotten caught. I was like, dude, if you're 19 for 20 on dining and dashing... That is very impressive. I'm like two for two in my life, and I'm proud of that. But I'm worried about what? 19 of 20. I don't think I could uh, have that much, that high of a success rate if I was trying it as often as this guy was. When the hell have you dined and dashed, you hobo? Don't worry about that. There's a reason for it every time it's happened, all two of them. Okay, what's the reason then? No one shows up. They just forget about what do you me. Mean, Huh? Oh. Yeah, like I'm, I'm there eating. I'm just waiting for a bill or I'm waiting for someone to take my credit card that's just in there and 30 minutes go by. They clearly don't even know that I'm there, so they're not going to know that I'm leaving. It's only when like I've had somewhere to go and I just no one is even around for me to try to like flag down. Like, there's just no one there. But don't you have to pay for the food before you receive it at Taco Bell, though? <laughs> Impossible to D&D at TB. Can't was this in Austin that it happened? Uh, one in Austin, one in Dallas. So I do feel less bad for the restaurant in a situation like that. We're like, there's clear negligence. But at the same time, I feel like you still need to track somebody down put some to money get your on the, bill. Put some money on the table or something like this. This might take care of it. Maybe. I, I guess it also depends on the overall quality of service and whether you enjoyed the meal, too. Was it a good meal? Yeah, I think so. Like I was, I was obviously planning on paying. I wasn't walking into the restaurant like, nah, today's the day. I'm gonna fake a heart attack <laughs> and dine and dash. Just, just happened that way, you know. What are you gonna do? Yeah, you never done it. I'm trying to think if I've ever done that before. That is definitely not my style. My style is if the the service has been really bad, just to leave a zero tip. Mm. If I'm having to sit there and wait for the bill for thirty minutes. There, there gets to a point where it's like, I'm going to pay this tab and this person is not getting a penny in tip. Or maybe they do get a penny, like an actual uh, they're penny. Getting, they're getting something else as the tip, huh? Well, I'm not going to leave a, a turd on the bill tray or something, you know? Uh, I've never left a zero tip. Even when service is bad, I'm always like, I'll leave something. I don't know why. I'm a good tipper. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to leave a zero tip, but I have done that a couple of times in my life. And the person has completely deserved it too, by the way. Yeah. So this guy, okay. So back to the heart attack thing. Yeah. Does he like need an ambulance? How does he, like, how does he get out of the restaurant? He fakes the heart attack and then he's just like, ah, it's like what the end of, uh, 
Ah, oh, shoot. Kaiser Soze. Uh, usual, oh, suspects. usual suspects. Yeah, he's like faking the lift the whole time, and then he walks away, and he's perfectly fine at the end. Mm. Spoiler alert. Shit, I'm supposed to call that before I ruin the movie, not after. Man. Sorry about that. Uh, people need to have seen that movie by now. If it was spoiled for them, that's your bad for not watching that great movie. Agreed. Like, yeah, how did he? How did he do this? Because at some point you have to like be fine to leave on your own. Because if they call an ambulance, obviously you got to pay for that. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, it's a great question because you do well in Spain. You don't. I don't know if you have to pay for that though, because mm. medical care is looked at as very different there. Interesting. So I don't know if he's with somebody and that person is like, I'm going to rush him to the hospital right now. But he's, and it doesn't say in the article whether or not he has required ambulance assistance in the past. My guess is that he sits up after, you know, grabbing his arm, faking the heart attack. Somebody sits him up. And he's like, I'm going to go wait for the ambulance outside. And then he gets outside and runs. We need need video of this, man. That would take things (laughs) over the top. Great find. And a great week of shows, my friend. Great week to you too, my friend. We'll be on from three to five today with Jeff Howe and then Zay. I don't know if I've told you this, but Zay's coming on at like 420 because Jeff is joining me with Chip at Z Tejas. We got bonus content tonight. A little live broadcast from five to six at Z Tejas with our guy Chip and Zay will be a part of things too. <laughs> Gentlemen, we got the Love it. we got the piece. How are we doing today? What up, fellas? Not a lot. Not a lot. You guys all right? Oh yeah. yeah. Living. What's uh what's on the docket today, boys? Oh man, we got we got football, football, football. We got Lance Taylor with some uh SEC insider talk. We got we got Stretch, Glenn Smith, former Cowboys offensive assistant, story time with Stretch. And I went and got fitted for a brain vault mouth guard today. Ah, I did that yesterday. How'd it go? I'm going to be safe. My brain is going to be safe, kids. <laughs> Life is tough. Wear a helmet or a brain vault mouth guard. I like that. Yeah, I definitely need one dealing with Bucky because the shit he says makes me want to bang my head against the wall, get a concussion from that. But I won't get one with Brain Vault. That's right. That's it. All right, fellas. Excited to listen. Have a great show.